Welcome to the podcast of top executive coach, Tony Mayo. This podcast is a conversation with one of Tony's clients, management consultant, Ron Diamond. you come across toxic leaders where, the, where the, 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 it's the opposite. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, just yesterday I was writing something up about what got me into this profession, to this calling, and it was my experience at MCI. Mm. I'd come up from a sort of traditional business background, my parents are entrepreneurial, I went to a top business school, started a company, sold it, went to Arthur Anderson back when we were <laughs> proud to be Arthur Anderson. Mm-hmm. So I was in the strategy practice at Arthur Anderson in New York City. At that time, which is the mid-1980s, MCI was all over the business press. This was a wonderful company. It was changing the rules. IBM and AT&T both had lost to antitrust cases and were being broken up. Uh, and. MCI was the new paradigm of a dynamic, smart company. So I tried to get into MCI, and I did. I didn't, not as an employee, but as a consultant. And once I got in there, I realized it was a terrible place. Mm. It was toxic, top to bottom. All these educated, energetic people working long hours. And most of what they did was just tossed away. They were frustrated. They were getting ill. They would leave after a year or two, and the company thought, oh, well, you know, we use them up, we'll get some more. And they did. I just saw all this where things were, I saw people yelling in meetings and pounding tables, and throwing things and lying to each other, uh, playing all these political games, maneuvering themselves so they could get people embarrassed so they'd be fired. It was, it was a ruthless, awful environment. Mm. But the market was growing so fast. I mean, we could not screw up fast enough. This thing just kept growing and making money. I kept thinking, there's got to be a better way. If this is the best we've got, this is the model of the ideal new company, this, there's got to be a better way. So I started looking. I restudied the sort of traditional business stuff and read the books by the CEOs who talked about what geniuses they were, and that wasn't the answer. Then I started meditating. Uh, that made a big difference. Give me a sort of a different clearing, a different space in which to hold all of what was going on. I started to study yoga, uh, learned a lot about self-management and how people interact with each other from yoga. And then, of course, learned about executive coaching, uh, transformational coaching, ontological coaching. And at that point, in the early 90s, so now seven, eight years has gone by, I said, "This, I think I've got a package now that uses the, the the brain, I said a lot of neuroscience and high energy physics, the brain, the body, the way words are used. I said, well, now there's a way I see to go back into business, not that I'd ever left, but to work with businesses so they can have humanity and prosperity. Because I mm. like prosperity. I, yeah. I don't want to just have people go out and be hermits and yogis. Once I was in a, a seminar and the instructor, you know him, Guru Ganesha, mm-hmm. was, was going on and on about the how great meditation is. I was doing this in the middle of a sales training seminar. Well, he knew, I knew that he knew I was a meditator, so I thought I'd pull on his beard a little bit. <laughs> I said, hey, Ganesh, if meditation's so great, what are you doing here with us? <laughs> and he leaned down to me very confidentially. 
And he said, I don't know about you, but I get bored. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a profound thing. Yeah. yeah, we could sit and meditate and bliss out, but it, it's boring and it doesn't matter. Yeah. The real challenge, I think I find fascinating, is how do you go into commerce mm -hmm. and keep score with money and remain human? And make it possible create a space where other people's humanity comes out and gets expressed mm -hmm. that's a really cool worthwhile thing to do I and mean, more and more believe that people go and get jobs so they can be related i mean we could go live off i saw someone on tv the other day she said she hasn't been in a supermarket for eight years she picks wild vegetables and goes through dumpsters and you know you don't have to engage in commerce to survive you can just sort of glide along uh, but you know, it's, it's an opportunity to try things out, to be with people, to make something happen. All these people are interested in making something happen. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting to go in there and have them do it in a way that lets them stay human. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks seem to think that's not possible. I know there's a lot of resignation around it. Um, but uh, I've seen enough fulfillment come about from people I work with and other folks that I do work like mine that it's, it's pretty cool I just I don't know I, I feel like I I've gone into this territory where it's hard to talk about it uh, to convey what I mean uh, is it landing wrong or do you well, know what I mean well, it is, and I'm dying to find out I want to ask you about something around velocity so so people people who may want to get there or may get there anyway without you is what do you bring to them? Do you do you help them get there faster? Do they not even see where they're trying to get? Do they are they just frustrated because they've tried all these other things? So I'm trying to find out how you impact that. Well, what I do is countercultural, and I don't mean that in the 1960s tune in drop out sense. It's just that we have a culture, which is a set of shared expectations, beliefs, and assumptions. And what I'm saying is different from that and in some places in direct opposition to it when you're immersed in a culture as we are listening to the radio and tv and podcasts i hope talking to people you're naturally going to respond to what's going on there not just respond you start to treat it as though it were true mm. as though it were objectively real and unchanging mm. so it's necessary to have a lot of structure reminders, conversations, posters, catchphrases to bring us back to something we've chosen, something that we're creating, something that we actually want, instead of just sort of blindly reacting to what's already going on. Yeah, being a, a leaf on the breeze instead of, you know, creating uh, your own motion, which we can all do, but we all need to be reminded of it. It's one of the reasons I do the work I do. It's one of the, it's one of the sort of selfish secrets that coaches uh, have. One of the best things about being a coach is I get to think about this stuff all day, so I'm more likely to do it. Oh, wow. Now, I'm not automatically going to be empathetic yeah. and looking for a win-win situation and creating a space so people's best 
can come out. No, I mean, I want to push people around and force them to do things. And, and when something makes a loud noise, I want to hit it. I mean, yeah. it's, that's just me the way that's sort of automatic with the culture we're in and to yeah. some degree the, the genetics that we've inherited. Or, or I thought you were going to say the brain science, because I'm always fascinated when you uh -huh. tell me about the brain. And, 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 and that natural reaction is coming from one part of the brain. And what you end up doing is coming from another part of the brain. I think that's completely fascinating. Yes. Well, let's, let's say a little bit about the, why that can be so difficult. A lot of what we do is below our conscious awareness. It just gets handled. You know, for instance, when the physician puts the hammer on your knee and your foot goes up, mm -hmm. <laughs> you didn't make a decision to do that. That's right. just the way your nerves respond to that kind of stimulus. Right. Uh, your heart is beating all the time. You don't give it much thought. It, that's con uh, controlled by your, your brain stem, a very uh, a low down part of your brain. That's why a chicken can run around with its head cut off. It, it's lost its brain, but it's got enough of the brain stem so that the heart still beats and, and, and so on. Just above that stuff of heart beating and breathing uh, are, is, is the midbrain that has a lot of our emotional responses. The amygdala is sort of the star of that midbrain. We've, a lot of people have heard about this where the fear response comes in. This is a very fast reacting hair triggered part of your brain yeah. that is evaluating all the stimuli that come in as friend or foe and if it's a problem i'm going to pump out some adrenaline get those muscles tense so i can run away mm. or i'm going to freeze so it's the, it's the what's the expression flight or fight flight or f fight or fl yes fight flight or flee so fight yeah. and flight get your muscles worked up so you can exercise them. But then there's freeze where you withdraw into yourself. Mm. I've heard a fourth one, appease. Well, that's, that's, that happens a lot. That's not so much part of the limbic system. But we have these, this, these emotional responses. Above that, in a, in a part of the brain that is unique to humans, is the cortex and the forebrain. And that forebrain is this little tiny part of the brain which is just above your eyes doesn't go back as far as your ears, it's just sort of in the temple there, which is where all your higher level decision making is going on. It's, but it's complicated and it's slower. It doesn't even get the, for instance, the input from your eyes until maybe half a second after your amygdala has already had a chance to operate with it. Mm. That's why you can see something like some, something that looks like blood and your heart starts to beat and you tense up and you want to react to that before your forebrain has enough time to realize, oh, that's just some cherries that went bad on the counter and made a little puddle. And it takes longer for that. What was your original question? Well, it just you were talking about your natural way of being, you want to hit something yeah. that way. And right. that's one, coming from one part of the brain. Right, very quick and reacting midbrain part. Yeah, yep. and your transformed part of the way that you are is coming from somewhere else. Yeah, so all my choices yeah. are, are in that forebrain. Yeah. Now, the forebrain has some connections back to the midbrain. And there's some pretty good evidence that over time, we can, in a sense reprogram reformat our emotional system so we, our emotional response is changed so people can get accustomed to things that would be bother other people mm. so people who are accustomed to combat don't flinch every time they hear a gunshot mm. and they just are trained to do that whereas that startle response i mean one hour old infants have a startle response mm. but people can actually learn not to have that startle response so there is some 
a feedback and reprogramming there. Did, but it takes a lot of reinforcement. Does knowing that relieve your responsibility for how you react automatically to things? Is that really does that does knowing why giving you the reason make it any easier? Well, relieve your responsibility. I don't think you have responsibility for your limbic reactions. Mm. But what you have responsibility responsibility for is what everything that happens after that first half a second. Mm. Uh, another Guru Ganesha story. Maybe I shouldn't attribute it to him. But I was in a meeting once uh, where we were discussing a new sort of risky venture. And a lot of us were pushing for it. And finally, the owner of the business said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, this is too big a risk. I mean, it's my name on the lease. It's my name on the door. I'm not going to... He just went yeah. off. And his assistant said, uh, you're doing that. You're, you're overreacting. He said, well, yeah, but it's... Rare. And she said, you asked me to remind you during a meeting when you went off like this. He said, I know, but I didn't say I wouldn't react. <laughs> You're still doing it, boss. Yeah, that's and, and then he took a breath and he said, a, okay. Wait a second. What a great thing for a boss to say to, uh, to someone helping him out in a for meeting. Anybody. Please point this out when this is happening. That's fantastic. That's one of the keys to transforming the way you are in the world. Yeah. Is to notice something more or less automatic or ingrained or habitual, whatever word you want to use in yourself, that isn't yeah. working for what you're really committed to. Yeah. And tell people that's what you do. Yeah. And then ask them, says, please, when I do this, point it out to me. And I've got a few of these, I mean, I've, that, that people use on me. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. You know what I'm referring to. We'll do that different podcast. I don't mind talking about it. Uh, and then he said, calm down. I said, okay, I know I have this reaction and it's a concern. And all right, now calmly, here's why I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you had asked a really good question. How responsible are for you? That's the fundamental. Yeah. How do you respond when this does come up? Ultimately, you might train yourself not to have the automatic limbic emotional response. But even if you do have that automatic limbic response, you still take a breath. That's not just an expression. There's a reason why that's built into our language. Taking a breath matters. Getting that oxygen in there. For instance, there are specific neurons, neurofibers in your brain that are continually monitoring the CO2 level in your blood. If the CO2 level goes high, meaning you're not getting enough air, it uh, releases hormones so that you will take a breath. Mm. Take a breath. It calms you down. It, 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 released, it stops the release of these stress hormones. That's what these neurons are doing. They're releasing stress hormones, cortisol. Uh, I'm not sure if it's cortisol or adrenaline in that case, but it's the same idea. It, it makes your heart beat faster. It makes your muscles tense up. You grind your teeth. It generally wears down your whole body. It puts stress on your body. It's like stress on a mechanical structure. Take a breath. Oh, the cells say, well, CO2 levels back down. I guess things are okay. Wow. Stop releasing these. The breath, that breath does a lot of things. Again, that's a very slow system. Mm. That parasympathetic nervous system is local and slow. When cortisol or uh, norepinephrine are released, it goes through your whole bloodstream, your whole body reacts. Wow. Whereas the calming responses are, have a, a local effect. And it takes longer. So you have to consciously take the time to breathe. Notice the back of your neck. Relax that muscle. Unfold your arms. You know, maybe shake your hands out. Mm. And it makes sense. As a survival tactic, 
you want to be able to hair, hair trigger, fight, flee, or freeze. Calming down, you can get around to it. Yeah. However, in the office, we have threats all day long. It sounds like the key, or at least one of my takeaways from this conversation, is just noticing that. Just noticing what's going on in my body. What you know? What's the cause? Uh, co what's causing that? And uh, maybe stopping it. Yeah, that's where all the personal power, the access to effectiveness and satisfaction is, is in that pause between the reaction. Yeah. And then what you choose. Hmm. In, in first noticing it, that's key. And then using that pause to breathe, relax, reconsider, let the hormones get reabsorbed, and then start using your forebrain. Mm. Then what you do next is what really matters. Yeah, so so this has been really, really cool. I didn't, we didn't know where this was going to go or what the, you know, the general topic was going to be. And it's always fascinating to have a conversation with you. So uh, I hope we get to do this again. I hope people get to listen to this and get something out of it and give us some feedback. Maybe let people uh, direct uh, sort of the, the theme or topic of conversation in the future. That feedback's a good point. Yeah. So you can write to us at podcast at mayogenuine.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at M-A-Y-O-G-E-N-U-I-N-E.com. So long. <laughs> See you real soon. Happy trails to you. Until this is the flea. I'm going through flea right now. I'm going to run. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. More information is available at tonymayo.com. We appreciate your comments, suggestions for future topics, and most of all, stories of how you applied the coaching. Our email address is podcast at mayogenuine.com. This podcast is the property of top executive coach, Tony Mayo, copyright 2011. <laughs>